that's that's my happy place. Let's get into the word. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege that I have to be able to share your word to these people here. And Father, right now I just remove myself out of the equation. And I ask God that you would just come in like a flood and speak on my behalf, Lord Jesus. So lead and guide me by your Holy Spirit, I pray. And keep our hearts and minds and thoughts open to receive from you today, Jesus. Not from me, but from you, I ask in my precious name. Amen. Okay, we are going to start a new series. And it's actually, this is just going to be the intro. And then we're going to have a little pause next week because our missionaries from Dominican and Weirds will be here. And they will be sharing, which I'm super excited. I love hearing what God's doing in their lives and in their ministry. And we get to support them. And so when they share, it's stuff that you guys need to know and understand that you are a part of. When one day, heaven forbid it happens soon, let's just, let's just not ask for that to happen. But one day when you get to heaven, there will be people who will come to you and say, I am here because you gave. And the ministry that happened in the Dominican Republic, we partner with. And so when people get saved and come to know Jesus over there, we are a part of that. And that's exciting. So I hope that you come next week with a heart um, to be hearing and open to hear with the word of God um, and just all the testimony of what's happening over there in the Dominican that God is doing. So we are going to start um, a new series and today will just be the, the introduction. Um, so today I'm calling it Religion, Legalism, and Relationship. What are the difference? And we're going to take some time. It's going to be long, but I pray that you're patient with it all. Um, we're going to take some time and look at the Ten Commandments and kind of just break them down and really kind of get a better understanding of what they mean and what they're all about, what is their purpose, where, what is the law, what's the purpose of all of that. And that's what we're going to look at um, starting today. We'll just do a little bit of an introduction. So, religion, legalism, and relationship. What are the differences? What is that? And why do we do what we do? What do we do? Why do we come to church? Why do we do church? Why do we do the things that sing, announcements, worship? What is it all about? And so we're going to kind of just trade, break that down a little bit today. When I think about religion versus legalism, and relationship. How do they differ from one another? And I know we are all coming from different backgrounds, and we have a lot of new people, which I have said before, please be patient, because some of us have been in church before, and we have heard the stories countless times. We know them. We can tell them verbatim, but there are people in our congregation who literally don't know, and it's not because they're dumb. It's because they're new to faith. And so we need to be respectful and honor them. And if you know this stuff, can I just encourage you, you know what, rather than closing off your ears and going, oh, I've heard this before, can we take just time as we're in the service and pray that as I speak God's word, that it will touch and it will teach the ones who maybe aren't quite where you are at yet, okay? So when we talk about religion, and I, and I really want to kind of just ever so gently talk about this because we are all coming from different backgrounds and different experiences as far as church is concerned. And some of us may have not stepped into a church ever 
some of us have maybe came as a kid and then not come for years. Some of us have been here for years and years and years. So what does it all look like? Let's talk about maybe tradition, religion, doing things that we have done just because we've done it forever and ever and ever. And sometimes we can get caught up when we talk about religion, tradition, legalism. We can get caught up in doing things because, well, that's what we've done for years and years and years. We've always done it that way. If I sat you down and said, well, why have you done it that way? A lot of times people can't give me an answer. I don't know. We've just always done it that way. So sometimes we need to relook at things that we do. And I try to do this as a pastor, even in the ministry of the church that we do. And relook at even just the different ministries that we do. And look at them and say, are we just doing this because we've done it for 100 years? Or are we doing it because it is effective for the kingdom? Are we doing it because we are seeing people come to know Jesus because we are doing this? Or are we just kind of like turning our wheels and doing the same thing over and over and over just because that's how we've always done it? Or do we want to have relationship with God? So Romans 3, I don't know if the scripture verses got to you guys, um, but if they didn't, you know, look at your Bible or your device uh, and turn to Romans chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 9 and 10. And then we're going to look at verse 21 to 26. So just to kind of give you a little bit of a background here, this is Paul. Paul wrote this book. And Paul is talking to the, the Jewish people and the Gentiles, and he's trying to, it kind of sounds a little grim in the beginning, and it's trying to explain to them that we all need salvation. We all need the Lord, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile. Romans 3, verse 9 to 10. It says, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. So what Paul was trying to explain, because in this moment, in this time, we had Jewish people who were like, well, I'm a Jew. So that gives me the free ticket. I'm good to go. And they weren't understanding why Gentiles were being included into salvation, into freedom from sin. And so Paul is trying to explain to them that whether we are Jew or Gentile, and for those of you who are like, what's a Gentile? A Gentile basically is anybody who is not Jewish. So I don't know if there's any Jewish people in here, um, but if you are, you're Jew, <laughs> but if you're not, we are under that umbrella of what would be referred to as a Gentile, okay? So when you're reading the Word of God and you're like, what the heck is a Gentile? We are Gentiles if we were not born as a Jewish person, okay? So he is telling us that there is no one righteous, not even one. You see, when sin came into the world through Adam and Eve, sin came in and we are now all sinful by nature. We just are. No matter how good we try to be, no matter how godly and holy we try to be. Now, this isn't an excuse. I don't want y'all going off. I'm a sinner, so I may as well just go and do whatever I want to. That's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you to be the best example of Christ that you can be, but know that we will not be perfect. 
So verse 21 to 26. But apart, now apart from the law and the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, his perseverance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So that's a whole lot of scripture to tell you that yes, we are all sinners. Each and every one of us are sinners. But because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us, we all, Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter uh, what culture you're from, doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter what language you speak, doesn't matter what country you were born in, it doesn't matter. We all have the ability to be able to spend eternity with Christ because of the sacrifice that Christ made for us on the cross, okay? So, when we talk about religion and legalism, and we think about those things, well, I will have people say to me, well, what religion are you? And I hate to say I'm a religion of anything, because the second you put religion, you all of a sudden just put me in a box. And, and when, when I say, oh, what religion? So I can say, well, I was Catholic, or I'm Anglican, or I'm Baptist, or I'm Pentecostal. As soon as you put those titles on there, all of a sudden people have an image in their mind of what you are, and who you are, and what that looks like. So that is religion. What I like to say is I am a follower of Christ. And, and I can be a follower of Christ whether I go, believe it or not, you know, I'm going to have like heart failure here for a second. But believe it or not, when we get to heaven, there just might be some people from other religions in heaven. Because you can have a relationship. My grandmother in Germany was full, dedicated Catholic woman. And, and when she passed, I asked God, God, give me a sign, something to know that she is with you. And when my dad went to go see her, one of her last words, oh, I get a little choked up. I love my grandma. Uh, and it's been a long time. She said to my dad, I can't wait to be with Jesus. Amen. And you know what? That, when dad came home and told me that, to me, it didn't, it didn't matter all the religion and the truth. She found somehow in her life that she loved Jesus. And she knew that she would meet him one day. So despite what we have in our minds, sometimes people, believe it or not, can have a relationship with Jesus outside of Pentecostal church. Now, I'm Pentecostal. I love what we do and what we have here. I love the freedom of what we have but some people express differently, and that's okay. Now, it is about Jesus. Let me just 
say that off the bat, okay? That's what we're going to talk about today. It is about Jesus. It's not about what church you go to. It's not about whether you go to church, what you do, how you do it. It is about your relationship with Christ, okay? So, again, I grew up Catholic, and I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to come down on Catholicism. So please, if anybody is here watching online or hearing that, that is not my intention at all. I'm only speaking out of my experience. So growing up Catholic, we were not necessarily encouraged, for one thing, to read the Word of God, to have a relationship with Christ. It was more about um, what the priest said, and I remember as a child, you know, if I got a cross for my birthday or, you know, uh, something like that, I would not even consider putting it on my body until I went to the priest and had a blessing, because that's what we were taught. We were also taught that we go to the priest to confess our sins, and, and, and that really, again, I'm not trying to, it's not scriptural. We can go directly to Christ. Um, but the way I was brought up was you go to church, and it was about going to church. And if for some reason on a Sunday, if there was something happening that we couldn't go to church on a Sunday morning, we would do Saturday night mass. Because heaven forbid you miss church. And again, please give me some grace here. I'm not coming down on Catholicism, but I'm trying to explain to you my experience what was happening was not so much the desire of, I can't wait to go to church. I'm coming to church with anticipation. I can't wait to come to church to meet with the Lord and the Holy Spirit move in our services and sense his presence. It just, it, it was not that. It was, I need to go and I need to sit my butt in that chair for the 35 minutes and go because I need to just do that. And that was my personal experience, and some of you may have uh, sensed or had the, the same thing as me, but there's a difference between religion and just doing something because you do it, and this is the way you do it, and we've done it a hundred times or a hundred years, and so you continue to do it, and there's no um, relationship, there's no um, heart in it. You are merely doing something because that's what you do not because you have to do something. So I come to church, scripture says, don't forsake the coming together of the saints. Scripture tells us we need to go to church. That's what the word of God tells us. So yes, we need to come to church. But we don't come to church just to come to church. Like my heart would be broken if anybody said, or had the thought, I better go to church, because if I don't, Pastor Wendy's gonna be upset with me. When, just to kind of throw that out there, because I've, I've contacted, you know, I, I want you guys to know that I pray for you every day. I, I don't necessarily pray by name, because there's a lot of new ones, and I honestly don't know everybody's names, but I do pray, God, you know every single person that can us see every church to be their home, and I do pray for that diligently every day. But there are moments where God lays somebody specific on my heart, and I have, and you know if you've been a part of that, I will send you a message and just be like, hey, thinking about you, praying for you, God has brought you to my mind, and I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. 
and, and, I, and I have people say to me, I'm still coming to church, I'm still, and I'm like, I know, I'm not, I'm not like questioning your dedication to Cedar View. I'm literally contacting you to say, you know what, you're just on my mind. And I'm just praying for you. The Holy Spirit has given me your name specifically, and I'm praying for you. So yes, the word of God tells us we, can, we should not forsake the coming together of saints. Because we need to be here. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to love one another. We need to make this a priority to be here. It's important that we come to church. But we need to come because we want to. Not because we have to. That is the difference. Legalism. Because I said so. Does anybody remember that with your parents? Why do I have to do this? And your parents would say, because I said so. That was my mom's tagline all the time. Why? Because I said so. And we all, you know, we all listened. I don't know what's going on with our teenagers now, but they are like, but what? They are questioning. Why? Because I said so is not good enough for them anymore. And that's actually a good thing because when they question, they want to know why. They want to have solid reasons why. Why do we go to church? Why do we have faith in God? Why do we trust in the Lord? They need to know those answers. So parents, grandparents, you need to, you need to know why because these young people are asking and that's a good thing. Okay, legalism, because I said so. I'm going to tell a little story about Daryl, my husband, and I didn't ask permission, and I hope that's okay. The theater story, can I get, can I get a yes? It's okay to tell your theater story? Okay. So, um, old-time Pentecostals, and I might ruffle a couple of feathers here today, and I'm really sorry if I do. Um, old-time Pentecostals was a lot of, we cannot do a lot of things, and there really wasn't an explanation as to why we couldn't. It was just because you're a Christian and you don't. And there's no explanation. And so one of those things was you don't go to a movie theater. You're not allowed to go to a movie theater. And all the young people are like, what? Um, that's weird. And so that was one of the rules um, of the church. I'm just going to take a drink of water and let everybody just kind of process that one. <laughs> Believe it or not, when you became a pastor, there was a time, it's not anymore because you can watch movies on your iPad, you don't have to go to a theater in the privacy of your own home, so it's kind of hard to tell what you're watching and what you're not watching. But becoming a pastor, to be able to get your credentials, you used to have to sign a piece of paper that said, I will not go to the movie theater. Yeah, so that has changed now. Um, but here's my husband's story. Um, Daryl was not allowed to go to the theater as a kid. He wanted to go to the theater. And he questioned his parents, why am I not allowed to go to? Because he said so. Um, but it was because of your witness. And if people saw you go to the theater, they would then question, are you really a Christian? And so he would argue with his parents. And, and so he never really got to go to a theater. And then Billy Graham, Les Billy Graham, comes up with movies that are now being shown at the theater. 
And so Daryl questioned his parents, because it was like, okay, we are going to the movies, we are going to the theater to see the movie that Billy Graham put out. And he questioned his dad on um, why can we go to the theater to see this movie when I couldn't go to the theater to go watch a Disney movie. And he basically got his butt handed to him, so. <laughs> um, you're going to the movies. But the interesting fact and problem with that rule, if I can say, is when you're standing in line to go to the theater, people don't know if you're going to see a Billy Graham movie or if you're going to see the R-rated movie. They don't know. So, I'm getting a little tense in here. Um, what it comes down to is not legalism of you can and cannot do something. It comes down to what is the heart. We talked about this last week. What is your motivation? Why do you want to do whatever it is that you're about to do? Now, I'm not, I am not saying don't go to the theater. I'm not saying go to the theater. That's not... That's not the take I'm coming from, and I don't want anybody to leave here and say, you know, Pastor Wendy said, I want you to consider what is the heart, because technically you can watch anything on your phone, uh, and people don't know. So theater is really kind of a, it's, I mean, they're begging for people to come because it's such a lost thing now. So it's just kind of the past. But what I want to talk about is what is our heart and our motivation in that, and are we saying we can and cannot do stuff out of legalism because we have now made man-made rules to be able to accommodate our belief system and who we are as Christ followers. So as a Christ follower, do I make myself sound more holy by saying I don't do this I don't go to the theater, I don't go to wherever, or do I sound more like Christ when I say, you know what, I just, I just don't feel it's for me because I want to be the best example of Christ that I can be. And for me, it just, it's not someplace that I feel I should be. What is the heart in it and what is our words and how are we using them? So legalism tends to bring judgment. When we have rules, when this is the box, this is what our church looks like, these are the rules, and this is why we stick by it, it can be a place of judgment. And I'm trying very carefully here because we are going to be talking about the Ten Commandments and the law, but I'm going to come back to the heart in that, so bear with me just for a second. Legalism can bring judgment because then all of a sudden we have this list of rules of things that we should and should not do as Christ followers, and then when we see our brother or our sister doing something in one of those things, we will then tend to judge them on their actions and their things. Well, how would they call themselves a Christian? Because look at what they're doing. Or if they can do it, why can't I do it? And it starts to bring into all kinds of questioning, and I believe that's why we have a lot of our young people today who are questioning, because they're seeing a whole gamut all across the board on what is permissible and what's not permissible, and it's making no sense to them. And so as parents, to help bring in, I'm getting on a tangent here, that coffee's kicking in, to get on, to get, bring some clarity to all of that, rather than focusing on the, the why is this wrong, focus on what the Word of 
God says? Does it line up with scripture? And what is your heart in it? Do you want to be a person who your actions and your words are representing Jesus Christ? Or are you just doing something just because you were told this is wrong, this is not something you should be doing? We need to watch our words and things that we say so that we aren't bringing judgment on people. And as I was preparing this, I got to thinking about the very, very first time that my mom had a heart attack. Now, my mom is a walking miracle, for those of you who don't know, and she's had about 6.2 million heart attacks and surgeries, and like, it's ridiculous, and she's a miracle. She's still here with us. So, um, me and my brother laugh. We're like, she's just like, we don't know. She's um, an enigma. Uh, and we're so blessed and happy that we still have our mom. Um, but the very, very first time my mom had a heart attack, um, I was in Wawa. And for those of you who have no idea where Wawa is, Gerald would always say, look at your map of Ontario and then flip it over. <laughs> it's, it's up there. I was in Wawa with family from Germany, and I had friends from Manitoba en route to come and visit us in Wawa, and I had my youngest, who was probably about eight or nine years old, who had a soccer tournament that I had to, so there was like a lot going on. There's no time for mama to have a heart attack, okay? Um, but mom had a heart attack, and so I literally stood um, like deer in headlights looking at my husband saying like, I don't even know what to do right now because my mom is 95 miles away, but more than 95 miles, that's not very far. My mom was 9,000 miles away because I was way up in Wawa, she was down south. And I got family from Germany, I got friends from the West, I got a soccer tournament, I got a mom having a heart attack and I'm just like, I don't even know, I don't even know what to do right now. And Daryl says, pack a bag get in the car, and go. And I think, so I just need somebody to just say, you're released from all this stuff. Go, that's most important. So because of the distance of where I had to get to from point A to point B to where mom was, um, I'm traveling now through the night, and I'm, I'm like emotionally exhausted, I'm spent, I'm, I'm done, and so, um, Daryl says, just get a hotel, you're not gonna be able to see your mom anyways, they're not gonna let you in, it's like the middle of the night, get a hotel and just go fresh in the morning. So I go to the hotel to book a room and I'm emotionally sad. This woman at the desk has no idea that my world is literally falling apart. I don't know if I'm gonna see my mom alive again. And so as I go to book my hotel and she's being lovely and friendly and kind and well, what would you think? And I'm just like, lady, just give me a room. I just need to sleep. I just need to sleep. And I'm sure that she was probably thinking, well, it's a bee in her bonnet. And I'm sure that she, and I'm not making excuses for myself, but I'm sure she probably went to her co-worker and went like, well, wasn't she a lovely piece of work? But she didn't know that my life falling apart. And I'm not going to stand there and say, I need a hotel room, by the way. My mom just had a heart attack and I'm just in a whole hot mess. 
So legalism is bringing judgment on what we assume to be correct, to be right. We don't know what people are going through. We don't know when we go to the grocery store and the teller is maybe not really paying attention to us. We don't know that maybe five hours ago her husband just told her he's leaving her. We, we don't know. We don't know why people are cranky and, and, and rude or rude or, or act the way they act. We don't know. We don't know with the people coming into church on a Sunday morning what just happened in their life five minutes ago. We don't know why they're late. Maybe they're late because they just got a phone call of somebody who, who, who's sick. Or maybe their child just literally, because this has happened to me, walking out the door to church and my child just literally barfs projectile vomit all over me all over, and I have to go get changed and wash the baby up and, and come back and now I'm 15 minutes late for church. And people might look at me in judgment and say, church starts 10.30, why are you not here? Don't you, it's, it's 11 o'clock now. <sighs> you know, the selfless <laughs> You don't know that I just dealt with projectile vomit. You don't know that maybe I haven't come out to church in a couple of weeks because I've been puking my guts out. Or I've been away on holidays, or whatever. So legalism would be standing at the church going, mm-hmm. nice to see you at church. About time you came back. <laughs> and you're all laughing, but we've all heard it, right? Or, looking back behind us, they're interrupting the service. It's, it's 11 o'clock and they're just coming to church right now? It's getting quiet. Oops. <laughs> Come on. We don't know. And legalism brings on judgment. Where rather we walk up to somebody who we haven't seen in a couple of weeks, and we say to them, my favorite line, I miss your face. That's what I say to people. I truly missed you. And I'm not saying I don't need excuses, I don't need reasons, I just want you to know that I'm happy you're here and I missed you. Or if they're late, you know what, I'm so glad you made it. It's okay that you're late, please come in. Here's a seat for you. Thank you for coming. So glad that you're here. Because I don't know what's been going on in their lives. So legalism will give us the permission to be critical and judgmental. But relationship will give us unconditional love. I'm so glad that you're here. I love that you guys come to church every week. Like, I mean, uh, that you come to hear me? Like, what the heck? That's, you know, like, sorry, I'm just trying to say <laughs> Okay, tradition, man-made rules. Why do you do it this way? Because we always have done it that way. Matthew 5, 17, let's turn back into the Word. 
Matthew 5, 17. This is Jesus talking. And this is remembering now that he gave us the law, he gave us the Ten Commandments. So we're going to kind of pull in now, because yes, those are commandments. Yes, those are guidelines on how we need to be living our lives. But now we're going to pull into what they actually stand for. What do they mean? Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come. Everybody say not. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Okay? So a lot of people will say, well, the, oh, the Ten Commandments and the law are from the Old Testament, and I live in the New Testament, so therefore they're not applicable to my life. Not true. Not true. Right here, in Jesus' words, I did not come to abolish them. I did not come to say, that's past. You don't need to listen to that anymore. Now here is the new way. He said, I have come to fulfill them. So here is why we have the Ten Commandments. Don't throw tomatoes at me. We have the Ten Commandments. They are not meant for salvation and redemption. Oh my gosh, did the pastor just say that? Yes. You see, following the Ten Commandments or the law does not give you a ticket to heaven. There is no power for salvation in those. Why? Because it is literally impossible for us to follow each and every law, each and every commandment, it is impossible. And if you want to stand here today and tell me, because we're going to read a story about a man who said that, I follow all the commandments, I will just say, well, you just didn't. Because it says, do not lie. And you just lie. <laughs> we are born into sin, no matter how far we try. Remember the scripture verse I read earlier, we are all sinners. Jew or Gentile, we are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we need a Savior. That is why we need a Savior, to save us. So we are all sinful. But Christ came to fulfill the commandments, the law. Which means we have forgiveness of sin. Through, forgive, through grace and mercy that comes from the sacrifice that Christ made for us. So the law and the Ten Commandments were all given to us to bring us to that point where we recognize that we, in and of ourselves, are not able to completely fulfill the will of God. We need a Savior. That is why we have the Ten Commandments or the law, to bring a recognition, a, a, an understanding that we can't do it on our own. There is nothing any of us can do to make us so righteous that we can get into heaven. We need Jesus. Romans 3.23, 
Again, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter who you are. Luke 5.32, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but I have come to, um, for the sinners, uh, but the, for the sinners to come bring to repentance. Sorry. Okay, let's look at Mark. I know I'm going along here. Let me quickly rush it up here. Um, Mark 10. Turn there with me or it will be up on the screen. Mark 10, verse 17, 22. This is the story of the rich, oh, the rich man. Mark 10, 17. Okay. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him and said, Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Listen to the answer of Jesus. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Now remember, Jesus is here on earth. Yes, he is God, but he has also come as human. So he's recognizing that all humans have sinned. Christians have sinned. Don't, don't question me on that one. But bear with me. Okay, you know the commandments. This is, Je- this is Jesus' reply to the man. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your mother and father. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Liar. Liar. Jesus looked at him and loved him. No condemnation. No judgment. Loved him, but said, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Does that mean that if you're rich, you don't go to heaven? What it means was, he didn't want to surrender his money. He didn't want to surrender completely over to God. He wanted to keep something to himself. So it could be your finances. It could be the fact that God's telling you not to go somewhere, not to do something, not to watch something, and you're like, forget that. I'm doing it. That is the heart in this. He didn't want to fully surrender everything over to the Lord. He wanted to follow rules and regulations, but he didn't want the forgiveness of sin and the surrender that it takes that is um, connected to the commandments and the law. If you think you can live by rules and regulations, but not have Jesus as a part of it, you will not get to heaven. Because Jesus came to fulfill. He came to fulfill it. We need Jesus as our ticket, so to say. I don't mean to be disrespectful. But we need Jesus as our in to get to heaven. Okay. Matthew 22. Let's turn there. I'm going to wrap it up in a second. Matthew 22, verse 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus 
had silenced the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they got together. One of them, an expert in the law, so somebody who knew the law inside and out. I know all the to-dos. I know all the to-do-do-nots and all. I know it all. An expert in the law tested Jesus and asked him this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So of all the laws that we have, of all the Ten Commandments, which one would you say is the most important? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All the law, all the commandments hang on to love. Not judgment, not pointing fingers, not look at me, I follow the law and I am so holy, that's pride. I will not, because I'm justified. It all hangs on love. We are called to love. Whether they love you back, whether they chew you out, whether they act the way you would, you're mortified, it doesn't, we are called to love. We are called to love. And everything, all the commandments hang on that. So we follow the commandments, we follow the law, not because we have to, not because this is what we do in our church, not because we've done it this way for a thousand years, or I can't imagine doing it any other way, it's gotta be this way, Not because of any of that, but we do it because we have love for God, and we have love for each other. And out of that love comes the desire to follow the commandments and the law. Do you see the difference? It's not about doing it because you have to. The Word of God does not say you have to do this, and if you don't, it says, I want you to love. I came to fulfill what Jesus said. I want you to love me. I want you to love others. I want you to do this because you love me. I, when I was a kid, maybe because I was afraid of my mom, I don't know, but when, I still am to a degree, um, when my mom said, because I said so, or whatever, somehow inside of me, even though I didn't want to admit it, and young people, even though you don't want to admit it, she would say no because she loved me and she was concerned for my well-being. And because I said so, it was because I don't want to see you get hurt. So God gives us this law and these commandments because he loves us. And he knows that if we were to go up and do things completely on our own, it 
will bring chaos and destruction and, and like hurt and, and pain and suffering. So out of love, he says here, follow this because this will bring you peace. I, it doesn't mean that it's going to bring you no pain, no suffering. But when you go through those things and you follow me because you love me and you listen to my word and you listen to my heart out of love because you want to, Last verse, and this verse, Pastor Vanessa passed on to me, it was a video, and I'm like, that's, this is brilliant. So, not just a scripture verse, but a guy doing the video. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. When we keep the commands, We are showing that we love him. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. So in the video that she sent me, the pastor was talking about, imagine when you get to heaven. And, and you're standing there before Jesus. And, 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 and you know, the, the, the theater movie is going by on your life. And, and all the things that you've done and haven't done and whatever, whatever, whatever. And Jesus stands and he says to his father, they loved me. They loved me. They surrendered to me. Daddy, God, Father, they loved me. They followed my commandments because
Can we sing that? Can I get y'all to stand? We're going to take some time this morning. And I want you to self-assess. I want you to ask yourself, why are you here today? Why did you come to church? Is it out of desire to meet with God? Or is it out of, well, this is what we always do, and I've done it, so I'm just going to go to church. Let's self-assess. And as, as they sing, goodness of God, I think it was the name, can we take time to just express to our God, our Father, Jesus, Daddy, how much we love Him. That our desire to follow Him, to follow His law and His, His, His commandments is out of love. I often say, I love what I get to do. I count this a privilege that I get to minister for Jesus. It's a privilege. I don't count it as, oh my God, I can put my time in. Sure, I'm tired sometimes. I'm human. But let me tell you, I love what I get to do. Do you love to follow Christ? Do you love to follow his commandments? Do you love to follow what the word says? And put your thoughts, your feelings, your desires to the curb. I want to follow Jesus. I want to love him. I want him to know how much I love him. Can we take time right now just to love on Jesus? I want to encourage you to sing. I want to encourage you, fill these altars. Let's get our face before God. Let's surrender. And I say it often. There's nothing magical or 